Hello, namaste, my friends. Tashi Dele, Kuzuzangpo, Como Estas, and all the other languages I've not yet learned. I want to welcome you to this free Dharma talk. I'm going to talk about something called dependent origination. And if you're joining me on my podcast, I would strongly encourage you to click the link in the description of the podcast so that you can see the uh, imagery and the slide deck that I'm going to share to visually depict some complicated philosophies. Uh, what I'm going to cover in this course or series of courses is how we can use knowledge of dependent origination or cause and effect to, to reduce our disturbing emotions and more accurately see what's actually happening. So let's get started. Enjoy. Hello there, my friends. Let's uh, start this class again. The class is going to be called Dealing with Difficult Emotions and People Through a Knowledge of Dependent Origination. You ever been this mad? I know I sure have. Brings up a question. Where does anger actually come from? There's a couple different ways to think about anger. One is that we misunderstand our own anger. Um, we, we take our own anger to be something that it's not. We think of it as independent, and we think of it as more than just a temporary momentary thought. Another problem is we misunderstand the other person or the situation uh, or the circumstances, whatever we're mad at, because of course we can be mad at another person, but we could also be mad at uh, situations, circumstances, experiences, um, and we, we also misunderstand those people or situations to be independent. We think that they inherently possess negative traits or qualities, such as badness or unpleasantness. And then the third thing is that our minds lack the clarity to see emotions arising. Um, a clarity of mind is a precursor to be able to catch anger, you know, anger, attachment, delusion, jealousy, um, pride, frustration, sadness, any negative emotion, if we want to catch it arising, we have to have a clear enough mind that we can actually see it arising. And so this, I'm actually going to talk about number three before we jump onto any of the others. Having clarity of mind, it just comes down to meditation. Uh, if you do meditation on the breath, um, focusing your attention on the tip of your nostrils and and actually from the tip of your nostrils all the way up to the top of the nose and you, and you focus on your in-breath and your out-breath and you fix your attention to your breathing and you breathe naturally and you put your back straight. If you do that uh, 15, 30, 45 minutes per day, up to an hour per day, maybe two hours per day, one hour morning, one hour night. If you're new, you would start you know, five or 10 minutes per session. If you do that every day, what will happen is your mind will become more clear and you will be able to catch those negative, disturbing emotions when they come up. If you don't meditate, it's going to be next to impossible to catch them. So meditation is a sort of a separate track here. Uh, whereas what I'm going to explain now is some philosophical perspectives and ways you can see uh, situations to reduce your anger or, or not only anger, but any disturbing emotion. But let's just use anger as an example, because uh, the same principles that I cover here will 
will reduce anger or jealousy or sadness or you know, pride or frustration, anything. These disturbing emotions all come from the same root, which is ignorance. So the way, you know, number, the first point here, um, the way we misunderstand our own anger is we look at it as independent and we think of it as more than just a thought that just, you know, a thought is just a momentary, you know, image or, or, or um, verbal words silently in the mind that pop up momentarily. It's just a momentary thought. Okay. That's what, it's really what anger is now. It becomes more than a momentary thought. It, it can take over our whole body and really kind of dominate us. But initially, it's just a momentary thought. Um, but the way that it appears to us is totally different than just a momentary thought. So we misunderstand our own anger, our own uh, desire, attachment, jealousy, pride. We misunderstand these emotional and mental mind states. Here's an example. Uh, from age zero to 18 years old, we were around a family member. Maybe it's our father, right? We saw that when our father and our uncle or a family member, uncle or grandfather, would communicate and, and have discussions at the dinner table about politics, our dad would become very angry. And so now when we discuss politics with our own friend, we tend to take on the same habitual mind states that our father had. Why is that? Well, it's kind of obvious, right? We take on the traits of our parents. Some of that's genetics. So some of the traits we take on from our parents are genetic, but some of them, many of them are learned. We're learning from a very young age to take on certain traits from our parents, such as anger. You know, I've learned with my own, you know, personality and my characteristics of mind and, and uh, just the way I act in general is that I'll find myself repeating a curse word, for example, that my father always repeated, or maybe my mom repeated, although she didn't really curse the way he did. But uh, anyway, I know where that comes from. And what's interesting is now sometimes my wife does the same thing, which she definitely didn't do before she met me. So we, we are dependently conditioned by our parents and all the people around us. So when, it, when anger comes up, we think it's our own, but it's nothing but a transference of habit pattern we learn somewhere else. So how our angry thoughts are conditioned upon what we heard from our father in this particular instance. The anger is not independent. It's not unique. It's not real. And it's not coming up from our own side. It's a result from uh, our father or whomever, right? Anybody we were around it. Anywhere we learned it from, we could have learned it from social media, TV, a teacher, our fellow students in school, neighbors, friends, family, anywhere. Point is, it's not, it doesn't originate within us. Okay. That's very important to understand. It is dependent on these external uh, stimuli. So this anger is coming because we learned it. We learned this behavior from our father. Then we repeated it. So we, we took on and, and uh, manifested and emulated our father. And then we acted it out and then we created a habit. So first we learn it, then we habituate it. Then it becomes something that we repeat often. Here's an example. Let's say Larry is married uh, to his wife, Julie, and Larry gets really mad and upset 
and disturbed when she doesn't, when he, when he feels she doesn't listen to him. Now he is looking at Julie as the object of difficulty and he's upset with her and he thinks that Julie's so difficult. Okay. It's really important to understand something. We are never actually responding to what's in front of us. We think we are, but that's an illusion. It's a confused perception. We are actually always responding to something that happened before. So Larry, before he met Julie and married Julie, he, he knew this woman named Melissa and he felt she didn't listen to him. So he would get mad at her many times for doing this. And he built a habit pattern of anger. So he would get angry when his previous girlfriend, Melissa, didn't listen to him. And he habituated this anger and frustration so many times about feeling he wasn't listened to. Now it's this unconscious or subconscious mental kind of habit that he just, he like automatically goes to that anger when somebody doesn't listen to him or he feels he's not listened to. So now he's doing the same thing to his wife, Julie, but he thinks he's mad at Julie, but he's, he's really responding to this subconscious memory from Melissa. I believe that this is a direct explanation of karma. Karma is cause and effect. Anything we've thought, any thought, speech, or action we've done before. And I would add to that any, any experience, any memory that we experienced in the past, they all come back again and again, moment to moment in our modern day current life. And so we are always thinking we're responding to what's in front of us, but we're not. We're responding to what we've been conditioned to respond to. So in this case, Larry thinks he's responding to his wife, Julie, but he's really remembering this frustration he had with Melissa. He's really getting mad with Melissa, not Julie. And for that matter, even though he used to get mad at Melissa, maybe he just felt in his, in his early years that he wasn't listened to. Maybe his parents didn't listen to him because they were busy. Maybe he had several brothers and sisters and his parents were really busy and they, they didn't give him enough attention. So he felt as though he wasn't listened to. So now he's carrying this around and it's a, it's a go-to or, or a, uh, it's, it's something that he, you know, like when he has an argument with anybody, he always kind of goes to this thing of, you don't listen to me. And, and that's just this pattern he plays out with everybody. Maybe he plays it out with every relationship, not really understanding that there's this subconscious conditioning that came from when he was six months old and he didn't feel, maybe he was in his crib and he didn't, when he cried, nobody came. So he's carrying this thing around. And it's an illusion. It's all an illusion because it seems to exist one way, but it exists in a different way. He is acting out behavior in dependence upon uh, past experiences. And we all do this. Nothing is independent. Julie is not independently difficult. Larry is not independently angry. We are, we are taking all of this conditioning and it's flowing through us. Where does anger come from? Well, as I've just explained, it's, it's dependent. To be more specific, it's a distorted, ignorant perception, which sees dependent things as independent. This is very important. This, this dependent origination is a very powerful way. It's a, it's an ancient Buddhist teaching on cause and effect and 
dependent origination teaches us not to take things the way they appear to us because their existence contradicts their appearance. Like Larry, Larry thinks he's angry at his wife, Julie, but really he's not. It's not about Julie. It's about his conditioning. Now, how, let's say we have a difficult friend. It could be a difficult spouse like Larry and Julie. It could be a friend. Okay. So let's say we have a difficult friend and he seems like he's difficult as if he's independently that way. He's just, in our mind, he appears as if he's a independently existent, difficult person. We don't really understand that everything arises in dependence upon causes and conditions. So on one hand, we don't understand our own anger with our friend is a result of past conditioning. We also forget that our friend is just like us. All of his behavior patterns, his thoughts, ideas, experiences, emotions, you know, any, any, any habitual response patterns he has is coming from elsewhere, just like it is for us. So when we look at him, we look at him as solidly, you know, kind of a solid concrete difficult person, you know, but that's not, it's not reality. He is a, he, his, anything he displays, any, any words, thoughts, feelings, opinions that he displays are a direct result, a, a effect from a previous cause. They arise dependently. Nothing is independent. Everything that makes our friend himself, um, Re react a certain way comes from outside of himself. It is not independent, inherent. It, it doesn't possess a self essence or a characteristic. It is nothing but an echo from somewhere else. Every person, place, or thing that we've experienced was the result of causes and conditions. It was an effect from previous causes, not an independent entity, but everything seems independent. So we're kind of trapped in this illusion and we don't understand what's really going on. And we need to learn what's really going on so that we can cut through the illusion. Okay. Now, when you purchase a phone, most of us have an iPhone or an Android phone, a computer or an iPad or a tablet. When you purchase a computer or an iPhone, if it's blank and if it, if it just comes without any apps, it's somewhat useless. So just kind of imagine, you know, the ability to go to YouTube or the ability to go to Facebook or to use Messenger or any of these apps that we use, Hulu, uh, even, even your cable TV, if you subscribe to DirecTV or your local cable, even those, uh, the cable itself has a user interface, which is an application, it's a software. The phone itself without any applications is meaningless and useless. But the, the applications that are loaded on that phone come from outside the phone. So the ability to send an email is not just an intrinsic, inherent, independent thing that exists inside the phone. It's coming from the app store. It's coming from an app that was built. The ability to go to Facebook and see your feed is not the phone. It's, it's an application that you downloaded onto the phone. Similarly, we as people, everything we think, say, and do is coming from other places. Our ability to speak language, to speak English or uh, Tibetan or 
uh, Bhutanese or Nepali or Indian Hindi, any language, Spanish, whatever language we speak, we learned that language from our parents, our teachers, our friends, our community. We learned the ABCs. In, in English, we, we learned the ABCs from a very young age. There's a song that goes along with the alphabet. It's kind of a fun thing. Our mothers teach us, our fathers teach us. We do not come preloaded with apps like a phone. We're kind of a blank canvas. Any friend or family member you're angry with is it's simply speaking what they've learned. So if you're mad at a friend, are you mad at them or are you mad at the ABCs that their mother taught them? And if their mother taught the child the ABCs, which they're using to construct words and to say F you or whatever they're saying that you don't like, are you mad at the ABCs? Are you mad at their mother who taught them? Are you mad at their mother's mother or their mother's mother or their great, 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 great grandmother? Because if the great, 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 great grandmother didn't teach them the ABCs and the words they're speaking, they wouldn't be able to verbalize them to you. What is it that you're mad at? It's all, it's all a big illusion. And we have, to, we have to think, we have to analyze, we have to use our intellectual power that we've been given as a human to examine, analyze, investigate. That's what this is. Great master Shanti Deva, he's one of the most revered Tibetan Buddhist teachers, although he's, he's an Indian sage, but within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, he's highly respected in all four schools of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, the Gelug, Kagyu, or Kagyu, depending on who you ask, Sakya, and Nyingma lineages all revere Shantideva equally for his mastery. He said, all things then depend on other things, and these likewise depend, they are not independent. Knowing this, we will not be annoyed at things that are like magical appearances. When, you, when I first read this, I don't think I understood it the way I understand it now, and hence the things I've told you in the slides before this. Everything that we experience is merely a dependent origination. It's depending, I'm sorry, it's arising and dependent upon something else. And that thing that caused it arose and dependent upon something else. So everything that arises is both an effect arising from previous causes and a cause that will produce future effects. So why be mad at something that's nothing but a domino in a string of dominoes? Why be mad at something that's an echo? It seems like it's the real thing, but it's an echo. There are many metaphors we can use to explain this stuff. Geshe Sopa was a great master. Uh, he's now passed away, but he said, everything is empty of inherent existence because of being dependent. And everything is dependent because of being empty of inherent existence. Empty means lacking. So when we say everything is empty of inherent existence, we're saying it lacks inherent existence. Inherent existence is something that exists independent of causes and conditions. It's independent, autonomous, self-creating, kind of self-sustaining. But there's nothing that's independent. Everything arises in dependence on uh, external causes and conditions, uh, parts and the mind that conceives and labels them. Uh, mainly I'm focusing on the first dependency here today 
dependent origination in dependence on uh, causes and conditions, okay? Everything is a chain reaction. Uh, everything is, is being knocked down as one domino in a sequence of dominoes. What's ironic about this image, by the way, or this video, is that it's playing in reverse for you, but on my screen, it's playing correctly. Um, when you record something, sometimes the sequence gets reversed. So to you, it looks like these dominoes are rising, but to me, they're falling. When a string of dominoes falls, each domino falls as an effect of a previous cause, which was the domino before it. It's like a chain link. If you've ever seen a linked chain with like, you know, a thousand links, each link is connected to the previous link and that link is connected to the previous link. So everything we've ever experienced, whether it's a word that our friend spoke or anything else, an experience we had, uh, every moment of existence is merely a dependent origination. Every second arises in dependence upon the previous second. If we die right now, we won't experience what's about to happen in the room that we're in because the previous second is now gone because we've left our body. So every second of our existence arises in dependence upon the previous second. I like the metaphor of echoes. Here's a man standing on a mountaintop yelling and he can hear whatever he says, he hears it come, come back and it sounds identical, right? So the echo sounds identical to the words you spoke, but it's only an echo. It's not the original word, it's an echo. It is arising in dependence upon the conditions of the mountain, the sound waves coming out of your, out of your mouth. And it seems independent, but it's not. It's dependent on you yelling the initial, hey, hey, hey. That initial hey that you yelled is causing the sub subsequent haze. Everything else exists just like the echo. Your difficult friend seems difficult, but their thoughts, words, and deeds arise dependently upon previous experience. And those experiences arise dependently upon previous experiences. And those infinite, we can go back infinitely. Every, every effect that arises is a result of a previous cause. There's nothing that's causeless. Okay. Now, technically, not to muddy the waters here, but un unfabricated space, when I move my hands like this, it's because I have space. Uh, space is said to be uncaused, and the mind is also said to be uncaused. However, I'm talking about the raw, naked nature of the mind. Awareness itself is said to be un uncaused or un uh, uncompounded. The word is uncompounded. Um, so space is uncompounded and the nature of the mind is uncompounded, but they're still dependent on terminological imputation. So what I'm calling this lack of material, I'm calling it space. So, I'm, so it, so the very word space exists in dependence upon me labeling it space. I'm not really going into this today, space in the mind, but I'm just mentioning it so that I don't teach incorrectly. I want to teach correctly according to the tradition. But today's presentation is about, is about cause and effect. So the, the friend that you have an argument with, a friend or family member or whatever, is everything they think, say, or do 
as well as everything you think, say, or do are simply effects coming up from previous causes. Disturbing emotions can only arise in the presence of ignorance. That's something we should really understand. And to be angry about someone's words or ideas is like being angry at an echo because their words and ideas came from someone whose words and ideas came from someone and that person's words and ideas came from someone who is it that you're going to be mad at? So to get mad at somebody is like mistaking the echo for the original, hey, hey, hey. It seems like it's original. So when somebody says something to you, such as, you, you don't do, you don't do anything for me. I do everything for you. You don't do anything for me. Which, by the way, is like the baseline of every argument we've ever had. When they say this to us, it seems or feels as if they are, like, like this is an original explanation, right? Like they're saying something that is um, unique and independent, but what they're saying is dependent. It's nothing but an effect of something that was caused by something else. That knowledge that they're sharing came from somewhere else. The English language they're speaking, or whatever language they're speaking, somebody taught them that language. The habit patterns they have, somebody taught them how to have this habit pattern, and then they started to act it out, kind of like the, the angry father. So whatever you're seeing is, is presenting like an illusion. And that illusion is so deceptive, and so it seems so real. And that's really what causes our problems, is we can't understand the dependent nature of whatever we experience. The original source of those words is infinity. It is beginningless. Because as I mentioned, if you're angry at your friend Johnny for saying something, his father taught him how to, how to think this way. And his father taught him. So Johnny's grandpa taught his father. Johnny's great-grandpa taught his grandpa. His great-great-grandpa taught his... So you're going to go back to infinity if you want to really find the source of what was taught. And even if you do find the person who originally taught the ideas, then you would have to analyze how those ideas came to them. And you'd never, it's infinite. You're going back, in, back into the source of infinity and then you keep going because nothing is causeless. Everything arises as an effect that is arising from a previous cause. I want to do an experiment with you. I want you to think of somebody that you have a problem with. It could be kind of like the gentleman who's on the screen here, who you're giving advice to somebody and they don't listen. I know we've all had this. You have a friend or a family member that has a problem and you know that if they just do what you're suggesting, their problem will go away, but they don't listen, right? And we all have people like this in our lives. But anyway, think of a person that you have difficulty with right now. And I really want you to think about that situation. So just take a second and bring them into your mind and allow yourself to feel the frustration or the anger or whatever. Could be sadness, could be, you could, you could feel jealousy, you could feel greed or you know, like you're doing more than they are in the relationship, whatever it is, just take a second and bring that person to mind. Now, I'm going to use a fictitious character named Johnny, 
and I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through an experience and a set of principles and data points to think about. Going back to the beginning of the presentation, this, the second problem of uh, kind of the cause of disturbing emotions, or in this case, anger, we misunderstand the other person or the situation or the experience to be independent and to be inherent, to have sort of inherent qualities such as negativities or like, you know, Johnny, he's just bad. He's just a jerk. That's kind of the way we think sometimes. When we get mad at somebody, we think, oh, well, he's just a jerk. So this is Johnny. And we think Johnny's just an inherently existing jerk. Um, and he says something to us. And whatever he says makes us really upset. So now we're mad about Johnny B saying what he said. Maybe Johnny is a Republican and we are a Democrat. Okay. Uh, or maybe Johnny's favorite color is blue and ours is red or yours is red. Now, we're going to start to think about causes and effects. Instead of seeing Johnny as a solid, stable, independent, inherently existing Johnny, an intrinsic, independent, inherently existing Johnny, which means that Johnny arises without causes and conditions. In other words, he arises independently of causes and conditions rather than the way he really exists, which is independence. We all know Johnny has arisen dependently just based on everything I've gone over today. First of all, whenever we argue with Johnny, we have to consider his parents taught him everything he knows between the age of zero and four, which are extremely formative years. Um, you know, what we learn when we're very, very young, um, due to the nature of our minds during a young age, sticks with us. So we're like sponges between the ages of zero and four. And most of what we learn is coming from our parents. Now, Johnny's parents learned everything they knew from their, uh, from Johnny's grandparents, which were their parents. And his grandparents learned everything they knew from Johnny's great grandparents. And his great grandparents learned everything they knew from his great, great grandparents. So when you have an argument with a friend or a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a spouse, a family member, Everything they've ever learned came from this family tree that I'm showing you, an inverted pyramid. And make no mistake about it, I'm only showing you one, two, three, four. I'm only showing you four levels of uh, his ancestors, which I believe is 30 people if you count. I'm only showing 30 people. So the conditioning of 30 people is coming into this moment, this argument that you might be having right now, this anger you're feeling towards this person. You think you're angry at Johnny, but yet everything Johnny knows came from 30 people. But that's only what I'm showing you on the slide on this computer. A more realistic depiction would be 1 billion or 1 trillion previous ancestors coming into this moment for Johnny. Can you imagine? It's like infinity. It's like trying to boil down infinity and present it. I have no way to present infinity. Infinity is unpresentable. It is beyond conception. It transcends 
conceptuality because it's immeasurable, right? So we are never arguing with just Johnny. We are never having a disagreement with just, you know, Larry and uh, Julie in the earlier slide. Larry is not arguing with Julie. It's one billion ancestors from Larry arguing with one billion ancestors from Julie. But it's even more complicated than that, as you'll see. So this is something important. If, you're, if you think you're mad at Johnny, you have, to, you have to say, okay, I'm mad at Johnny and his mom and his dad and his grandmother and grandfather on his mom's side and his grandmother and grandfather on his dad's side and his great-grandmother and grandfather uh, on his mom's, mom's side and his great-grandmother and grandfather on his mom's dad's side. You'd have to go through this until you got to a billion. Which of these people are you mad at? It's, it's, it's amazing because when you think this way, if you really contemplate what I'm saying here, you will start to feel a feeling of spaciousness. You're tracing back the dominoes from Johnny. Johnny's the domino in the front that's about to fall. But go back to infinite trillions and trillions of infinite dominoes. Imagine a series of dominoes that have circled the earth a million times. And that's what we're talking about here. It's not, you can't really be mad at Johnny once you think this way, because you'll understand Johnny is like a, um, uh, Johnny's like a, like a, a glass window pane with light shining through it. Everything Johnny does is nothing but a manifestation of other things, other people, places, things, knowledge. Johnny has no self-essence. And back to the domino example, Johnny's great-grandfather was a Republican. So in this example, we, I just use Republicans and Democrats because in America, everybody's so that everybody believes in the political system and hates the other side, which is just, we're just ignorant. We don't understand that um, everything is dependent. Everything is cause and effect. Everything is an effect of a previous cause. So if you're mad at your Republican friend or your Democratic friend, just trace back the dominoes. Johnny's great-grandfather was a Republican. He taught his son to be a Republican. He taught his son, which is Johnny's dad, to be a Republican. He taught Johnny to be a Republican. Now Johnny likes Republicans because he's been taught from zero to 18 years old that Republicans are good. So now he repeats their phrases. He's told that he should do this. Since your great-grandfather and so forth taught you to be a Democrat, you don't like Johnny's Republican views. You think that Johnny's wrong. And Johnny thinks you're wrong, but what's it all about? And in the end, we're talking about taking the dominoes back to infinite one trillion dominoes. So nothing is solid and stable. Everything is a constantly changing piece of an infinite series of dominoes. Everything is like an echo that you think is original, but is really the result of one trillion previous grandfathers teaching their sons and daughters what they teach. But it's not that simple. There's a whole nother dimension, and that is past lives. 
If you're a Buddhist and you believe in past lives, like I do, based on data, there's tons of data out there that clearly, clearly supports past lives and reincarnation. And therefore, um, when I first started studying Buddhism, I had a lot of doubts about reincarnation because I couldn't see it. Um, but I can't see uh, the electricity that's causing these lights to shine in my room. I cannot see the gravity that's keeping me on the ground, but yet I know it's here. I can't see the oxygen that I'm breathing, but yet I'm breathing. So the fact that you can't see something is a very poor reason to not believe something. We're more intelligent than that, and therefore we can use our human intelligence to understand uh, reality. So therefore, every, every moment of every past life Johnny has had, and Johnny has had trillions of trillions of infinite immeasurable uh, past lives, uncountable past lives, and every single second of those past lives have conditioned Johnny's belief system. So you could say, just, just for the sake of a visual depiction, the bottom of this slide is displaying Johnny's conditioning from past lives. In other words, the causes that have produced Johnny's current views his views, his opinions, his perspectives on life, a lot of it is coming from his past lives, which are infinite, literally immeasurable past lives. Animals, humans, he's, you know, in Buddhism, we believe in hungry ghosts. We believe in hell beings being born in a hell realm. All of these past lives that Johnny has had have had infinite number of seconds and every second produces a karmic imprint on the mind. And we carry that forward from body to body. So we are, this moment, we are the sum total of every previous past experience that we've had. And so Johnny, from the bottom of the slide, has been conditioned to say the words he's saying right now based upon his past lives. And he's been conditioned based on trillions of ancestors who have passed down knowledge learning skills, behavior, language, mannerisms, belief systems, opinions, etc. So although you think Johnny is this concrete, independent person, he is not. He couldn't be further from an independent person. Everything about Johnny has been produced by non-Johnny uh, things, non-Johnny knowledge, non-Johnny experiences, non-Johnny things. Whatever Johnny thinks he is, you know, many people kind of define themselves as, oh, I'm a, I'm a salesman, or I'm a Buddhist teacher, or I'm a husband, or I'm a father. Every one of those things is defined by what it's not. So for example, I'm a father. If, so, if somebody's a father, a father exists independent upon the son. Without a son, there can be no father. So we define ourselves by everything that we're not. I'm a salesman. A salesman cannot be a salesman without a customer. So the salesman defines himself by all the customers. The father defines himself by the son. The husband defines himself by the wife. The wife defines herself by the husband. The mother defines herself by the children. Somebody might say, I'm Jason and I'm a Buddhist. So then, therefore, Jason is defining himself by Buddhism, which is 
this thing that he's not, but that's what he's saying he is. So we define ourselves dependently. We are, we are the essence of the effect of infinite, myriad, immeasurable trillions and trillions and tr billion, trillion, trillion, the highest immeasurable infinity that you could never even, we could never even begin to understand. That's what we are. When you look at it this way, you, you might not be so angry at somebody because who are you angry at? You're angry at infinite previous ancestors on Johnny's parents' side and infinite previous lifetimes on Johnny's uh, past uh, lives. Uh, every, every reincarnation or every incarnation that he's had, you're mad at all of those. But it's even more complicated than this because I'm only going kind of north and south vertically. You'd also have to think of um, every second, so so almost horizontally, every second of of every every second of every life Johnny's ever lived is also a uh, conditioning factor, and that's you get you get to a point where it's so vast that there's just space. There's no solidity to any of this. I'm not saying nothing exists because Johnny's here. Johnny can yell at us, he can punch us in the face, or he can hug us both of which prove that Johnny's here conventionally. So don't get the, don't get the sense that I'm saying nothing exists. I'm not. The, the very fact that things can, can arise dependently proves that things do exist. Arise, that means existence. Arising dependently means uh, conventional existence. No, there's no inherent... We're just disproving the mental paradigm we have of reality because we're saying... Things are not independent, inherent, intrinsic, and uh, arising causelessly. Nothing arises causelessly, causelessly. You need to have a cause to have an effect. Now, another analogy that I really love is that we are just glass and everything's flowing through us. So this, you look at this beautiful stained glass window, which by the way, the cross at the top kind of looks like a Vajra, a four-sided uh, four Vajra to me. But anyway, we're just glass. One way to cut down and attack the ignorance that causes our anger and other disturbing emotions is to see things as they truly are. And as you saw on the last slide, Johnny's not what you thought Johnny was. Johnny is a manifestation of infinity infinite causes and conditions. And when it comes to us and others, self and others, we have no independent existence. We're like the iPhone that comes with no app. We're like the glass that just simply projects light. We're a medium for infinity to shine through us. Everything we've ever known, learned, said, felt, or thought came from somewhere else. Somebody else taught us, a parent, a teacher, social media, you know, parents, teachers, social media, TV, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, friends, neighbors, relatives, animals, dreams, past lives, everything that we've ever thought, said, or did was an effect of a previous cause. We've just had it so severely wrong. We've been so severely confused for so many lifetimes that we've never had this kind of precious knowledge. And this knowledge that I'm sharing is just a manifestation of Buddha. 
Buddha Shakyamuni, all the Buddhas, all the Bodhisattvas, they've given us this. In the old days, you had to travel. You know, in Tibet, they, some of the Tibetans would go down to India, a voyage or, or a or a trip that very very well could end in death because it was so dangerous climbing these mountain passes, you know, these these untrekked paths. And you think about now we've got the internet and you're, if you're listening to this on a podcast or you're watching it on a YouTube, how easy it is to click and get this knowledge. But our ancestors were not so lucky. To get this knowledge, they had to go on extreme expeditions. Atisha, the father of the second wave of Buddhism in Tibet, or you could say the restoration and corrective action of Buddhism in Tibet, I think 7th or 8th century, don't quote me on that. Actually, it might be 11th or 12th century. Anyway, Atisha was an Indian master saint, and he traveled from India to Sumatra to receive teachings from Sir Lengpa, his teacher who taught love, compassion, and bodhicitta. He traveled, um, and it, I think it took 12 months or something to get from India to Sumatra. And these are old ships with very bad facilities. And he's taking on extreme risk. He's putting his life in jeopardy to receive these teachings. And yet you and I get them with a click. Makes you think maybe we don't appreciate them. Maybe we don't realize just how powerful these teachings are that we've been given. And none of these teachings are coming from me. Make no mistake about it. I am the epitome of the glass with light shining through it. We're like glass and our opinions, views, views, and personalities are light shining through the glass. We're not stable, solid, or independent. We are the effect of previous causes and everything we think, say, and do is the effect of previous causes. Okay, so just remember, it's about cause and effect. It's about de dependency. There is no independent Johnny. Here's Johnny. You got the light shining through him. Every word he says is kind of like light shining through a window. Every thought he has is like light shining through a window. It's coming from previous moments of experience. He's a projection of all the moments his ancestors have experienced and then taught to their kids. And he's a projection of all his own experience during this life and past lives. The point is, how could you possibly be mad at Johnny when everything he is, is is dependent upon things that he's not? Johnny is a, a misnomer because he has no self-essence. Everything he thinks, says, or does is coming from somewhere else. He's an echo. He's like that echo on the mountain. You say, hey, 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 hey. You hear all the, the first hey you produced, the Subsequent haze came from the mountain, the reverberation of sound waves off the mountain and coming back, and we can hear it. Everything Johnny is, everything he thinks, says, or does is an echo of his parents, grandparents, teachers, friends, coaches, TV, social media, and every moment he ever experienced during his infinite lifetimes. So if you have a problem with Johnny, or even the moment in front of you, if you have a problem with that moment, you'd have to trace back the dominoes to infinity and you'd have to pick a domino to be angry with. Because logically, you cannot be mad at Johnny. He's just the most recent domino. He's a, 
He's a multi to multi-dimensional manifestation of infinite lines of dominoes coming from every direction. That's what Johnny really is. So which domino are you going to be angry at? Pick one. And then you're wrong. Pick another and then I'm wrong. We can't be right if we're mad at something because it means we don't understand. Doesn't mean we're fixed because we have a habit pattern of seeing things a certain way. This needs to be habituated. I need to sit down and meditate on this day after day. I need to sit down and contemplate this day after day. Uh, hearing, first you hear a teaching, then you contemplate it, then you meditate on it. Hearing is your first experience of a teaching. Contemplation is really breaking it down and saying, does this make sense? Can I disprove it? How could I disprove this? What are different ways I can disprove this? How, how could I prove it? How does it make sense? You wash the coal until it becomes a diamond, analytically speaking. I must contemplate this every day. Now, Johnny's ideas are not original, permanent, or independent, nor are they Johnny. His ideas are not Johnny. His ideas are all coming from outside himself. There is nothing original about me, you, or Johnny. We do exist conventionally, so please understand. None of this means that we don't exist because you can punch somebody in the face or hug them. Please don't punch anybody. Please only hug and love. Hug them, love them, treat them well. But the point is, the fact that I can come and hug you means I do exist. And you exist because you're. We can. it would take both of us to engage in a hug. I'd love to hug you, by the way, wherever you are. Um, so we do exist. This doesn't mean we don't exist. However, we are not independent. We, everything appears to be independent, but nothing exists independently. Therefore, it's an illusion because it exists in a way very different than it appears to exist. So just like the echo, the echo seems to, you, you hear the echo coming back, and it sounds just like the original yell, but it's not. It's a, you know, a clone, or you could call it a uh, carbon copy or whatever. So I like to think of Johnny, myself, and you, and everybody as reruns. We're literally walking reruns. On TV, sometimes they play reruns from 20, 30, 40 years ago. And uh, those reruns are called reruns because they're not the original show. They're being replayed uh, many years after the show was on air um, as a new series. And everything we think, say, and do is just a rerun. And just as we have collected the negative habits that we have in our life from previous moments, previous causes, we can also untie those. We can dismantle those negative habits. So the beauty of dependent origination is that if you plant the seeds for negativity, you will be unhappy. Yet, if you plant the seeds for happiness, you will be happy. That's a beautiful byproduct of this dependent, dependent origination. In fact, Buddha himself was once a regular human until he awoken, awakened, awakened, whatever the right word is. Another analogy that I came up with one day during meditation is that we are like coffee cup residue. Everything is like coffee cup residue. This moment appears independently. It seems as though it's arising intrinsically, inherently, and independently from its own side. Yet, as we know from this presentation, 
There is nothing that's independent. Everything is like the coffee cup residue. Everything we've ever experienced, everything we've ever experienced is like the residue in a coffee cup. All of our thoughts, our speech, and our actions are a result of past experience. All people, places, and things are results of other causes. Everything is dependent just like a coffee cup residue. So if you think about the residue in a coffee cup, if you drink coffee right now and you finish your coffee, there will be a brown residue in that coffee mug or coffee cup. And tomorrow morning when you go and drink that coffee, you're going to see that residue. The cause of that residue was yesterday's coffee, yet that residue is here now. It, the residue appears as if it's its own thing. It appears in the coffee mug as if it is its own brown discoloration. However, that residue is nothing but an effect from a previous cause, right? It's a dependent origination. So that residue is a result. It is a result or an effect of a previous cause. Every moment of experience is a result of a previous cause. Every material item that you see in your room or home or apartment or wherever you are right now, everything around us, I'm in a room right now, uh, a room in my house, which is my office, and this uh, home was built by a construction crew. The wood came from trees, the trees came from water, seeds, and sunlight, and the seed that actually created those trees came from other trees. Everything is coming from previous dominoes. Yet, when I look around the room, it seems pretty solid and stable but it's just an impermanent effect arising from previous causes. If I had to guess 100 years from now, this house will be dust. I doubt it will be here. It could be. I, I don't have any way to tell you if it will be, but I bet you it won't. It's just residue in the coffee mug. Soon it will go into the dishwasher or the sink and be washed, and then that residue will be gone. Now, this is a really beautiful way to visually think about arguments or problems or difficulties or challenges or disagreements or differences of opinion, ang angry dialogues with others. It seems like these two gentlemen are concrete, independently existing entities. Maybe the left one's Frank and the right one is Johnny. Or maybe Tenzin and Tashi, <laughs> or I don't know, just pick a name. But look at their ancestry. Uh, there's 30 or 25 ancestors on the right and the left. But remember, that's just a visual depiction because I can't put infinity on a slide. Remember, each one of these gentlemen who are arguing on the screen here, uh, everything they learned came from their ancestry, their infinite trillions and trillions of previous grandparents and their previous past lives. Every second of every past life contributes to their opinions, thoughts, beliefs, and ideas. Nothing is independent. So if you're having trouble with anybody, try to see yourself as the pyramid on the left or the right you pick and try to see them as the other pyramid. They're just a domino uh, on the front end of infinity.